You know, I, I know these guys' hearts. So, don't let me uh, rob your blessing by telling you how wonderful that just was. <laughs> but let me say it better this way. Thank you. Thank you. Let's give these guys a hand. These guys have very humble hearts and they don't wish to be, you know, applauded or, you know, I know their hearts. But I am so thankful that God has led them and directed them to this place to bless us and lead us in worship. Amen, church. Amen. Somebody want to catch the house lights? I'm going to come down here today because I just feel better being close to you. I can hear you. You can hear me better. <laughs> All right. All right. We have been in one of the most challenging sermon series that I've ever taught. It's entitled God's Top Ten Principles for Living. And we've been talking about the Ten Commandments. Oh, Pastor, what's so hard about that? Huh. Wait till I tell you what we're talking about today. It's been tough. Not so much the research or, or the planning or preparation. It's been tough on me because it causes me to look at myself and to do a self-analyzation of, of who I am and what I represent. I realize that throughout my lifetime, I've broken every single one of them. There is no question. There's no question. Because when we start looking at the principles behind the commandment, we, we begin to realize there's many more things that are involved. When we talked about thou shalt not commit adultery, we, we entitled it the principle of intimacy. And it was a powerful message for us. This week... We're on number nine. We only have one more to go next week. This one, I entitled it, The Principle of Honesty. Here's the scripture, Exodus 6, excuse me, Exodus 20, verse 16. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. In other words, don't be lying on anybody. I mean, it's okay to say it that way. Basically, the just of it is, thou shalt not lie. But it's a very interesting thing. You know, I, I, you could say, well, who's my neighbor? And I can tell you, it's not just the guy that lives next door to you. That's, not, that, that's your neighbor, of course. He lives next door to you. But that's not just, just that neighbor. We can see in Luke 10, uh, you know, when Jesus did the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. You guys remember that? You know, you had a priest and you had a Levite. The priest, I'm sure, was in a big hurry to get to the sanctuary. And here this poor guy gets beat up by robbers, and he's laying on the side of the road. Near death. The Levite, I'm sure, he was heading for the church, and he's getting ready to put on a worship service. You know, he, was, he had to get to the church. I'm sorry, and he went around the other side of the road. Then here comes a Samaritan who stopped and took care of this guy. And this is the only scripture I'm going to look at, and this is in Luke 10, 36 and 37. It says, 
So Jesus said back to these guys, So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, He who showed mercy to him. And Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. Please understand this commandment and all of them is more important than you may think. These commandments were given to us that we, man, would have the ability to set up a society. That's what they're really about. Do you realize this, this particular commandment is wrote in legal terms? Think about it. Thou shalt not commit, bear false witness against your neighbor. It's, it's a legal term. God gave us these things so that we could set up a society and we cannot have a society that it runs on subjective morality. That means whatever seems right to you at the time. We have to have a society that is based on a rock. It's based on something that's solid. It's based on something that's absolute. And that is the word of God. And you realize that most of all of our laws are based on biblical principles. Our nation was founded on biblical principles. And it's really important that we see what the Bible is trying to teach us. In a society, we have to understand that, that morality is objective. It's governed by the Word of God. When we think about it, when we look at this, it says, bear, do not bear false witness. To bear something, it means you're carrying it, Right? You, you set up a plan, you, you, you're setting up a lie, you're, you're working on something, you're, you're carrying a load that is very difficult to carry. That's why they call it bear. Then it says, to false, obviously, is to be telling a lie, that you're lying about something. A witness means that you're going to give your testimony. This was the, the only method that they had at this time. You got to understand, they didn't have crime scene specialists. They didn't have DNA. There was no fingerprints. If they have a dead body laying here, they're trying to figure out why this guy died. Somebody knows something. And it would require the witnesses to come forth and tell the truth. Now, the only thing they could look at is they could look at this guy and his relationship to these other people. That's why you remember when we were in the, the commandment, uh, thou shalt not murder? And realizing, you know, they, they base murder on if somebody was angry with somebody and they hated that person. That would be used as witness as, to testify against the person potentially that may have done this crime. And Israel was a state of capital, capital punishment. I'm having a hard time talking. So bearing false witness is a very serious crime in this situation. Because if you're bearing false witness on somebody in a capital crime... And they find out that you're lying, the same punishment now becomes yours. So it was a very serious thing in this time. But I know that God was telling us something that we needed to see that is much deeper. And we need to look at it. Understand, I'm not worried about you having to testify in a capital punishment case, and I'm not worried about you perjuring yourself. Okay? I wasn't worried about you stealing from anybody either. I wasn't worried about any of the other commandments that we've talked about. I realized that I'm talking to my brothers and sisters in Christ. So why? Why did he give this? 
And by the way, if the accused was found guilty, the witnesses in this time had to cast the first stone during the execution. This brings light, this brings light to what Jesus had to say in John 8 when he, the woman caught in adultery. Remember what he said? You without sin, you know, cast the first stone. He was referring all the way back to this. So I'm not worried about you testifying and perjuring yourself. I'm not worried about you having idols in your home or bowing down to these idols or really any of the things that, that in the Ten Commandments, but it's the principles behind. My concern is that we as a people violate the principles that are behind the commandments without even realizing that we're doing it. My concern is that we don't know, yet even worse, that we're not paying attention to these principles. It's so vital that we see them and we have the opportunity to change the way we think. That's what this has been doing to me. I've looked at some of this stuff going, wow. I've been going along all this time and not really paying attention to what I'm really doing. We need to see sin as sin. And we need to call it as such. Like I said, I need a savior. That's why that song was so precious to me, Tony, that you just sang. Because I need a savior. I'm no good without him. I can't make it. I'm a stupid human being that does stupid things. I need a savior to help me get through this journey. The Bible tells us that if we break in one, we broke them all. And we see these principles. Please don't get mad at me when I talk about what we're going to talk about today. And I don't want you to think, oh, pastor, he's ever since been doing this Ten Commandment thing, he's gone all legalistic on us. Man, he's just so legal. He just, just, you know, hammering us every week. I'm not being legalistic. I'm trying to get you to see the principles behind the commandments that God gave us to set up a society. That's why we call this message the principle of honesty. Philippians 2, 12 and 13 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but how much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure, for his good pleasure. You realize we all will to do good? Remember when we were talking about the mind, the will, the emotions? We were born with a will that's part of our soul. We all want to do good. We all love to be patted on the back. We all love to do good, but yet we so often continue to do the things that we hate to do. Paul was so, so plain in that. So point number one in this message. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself. Do you realize this is probably the biggest thing that I deal with people in my regular job? By the way, uh, Pastor Michael, I'm, I'm, I work for Tuolumne County Probation, and I, I do uh, the work release program, which is uh, an alternative sentencing program. So I get people that have committed mostly minor crimes, DUIs, petty thefts, uh, domestic violence, that kind of things that wind up in our program. And so it's a great opportunity. That's the only reason I've stuck with it for so long because I get to work with these people and, and eventually we're going to talk about why they're there, what's going on. 
And I love it, you know, the, uh, the line that Dr. Phil gave me is, well, how's that working for you? How's that working for you? And most of them say, well, it's not working very well at all. You can see where I'm at. Well, yeah, that's what we want to talk about. But the, one of the biggest issues that I see is they don't want to admit fault. They don't want to admit that, that, that they messed up, that they have a problem. That's the first thing in all addictions. That's the first thing that, that has to happen is you finally admitting, I've got a problem. And, and there's so many of them that can't. I had one lady that was a few years ago that was in the program. She was such a severe alcoholic that it was literally killing her. She was in and out of the hospital, and yet she wouldn't admit that she was an alcoholic. And she'd come to me and say, oh, I'm doing really good. And I said, what's the problem? Well, the doctor says that it's this over here or that over there. And I said, how about your, your alcohol addiction? Oh, it's not that, George. No, it's not that. <laughs> Nothing's changed. And it's not going to change. I can't help her. God can't help her until we finally get to the place where we're honest with ourselves. I was taking a class here quite a few years ago. It was an online class. And it was on Christian ethics. And they sat out a questionnaire that I had to fill out. And these questions did not allow you to expand on your answer. It was yes and no. So it can be kind of challenging. It'll get you to think. And that was their point. This was the very first question. I, I put it down so I could show it to you. The next screen. Are you a liar? And it said, be honest. Because instantly I was going to say no. But have I ever told a lie? Come on, have you ever told a lie? You know? Maybe you didn't mean to, but have you ever told a lie? Come on, man, it's be honest. All of a sudden, I had to put yes. The next question says, was, uh, is there anyone you need to forgive? You know, I had to put yes. And, and then here's another one. Have you ever had immoral sexual thoughts? Yes or no? You couldn't put down, well, sometimes, once, I was a teenager, once, no, you had to put yes. So it's forcing, the whole point of this was to force us to take a look and to look at ourselves honestly. Get an honest opinion yourself. I was telling Joe about this message, we were talking about it, and I said, I'm really, this one's going to be a hard one to preach, and she said, why? And I said, well, mostly because... Did I say it? I said mostly because people are dishonest. And, and there, there's going to be people that sit in this church, they'll be thinking, this message isn't for me. You know, I, they'll shut me off. And they'll say, this one's not for me. I, I don't need to hear this. Uh, I'm an honest person. But I'm telling you, dishonest people are dishonest. That's just the way it is. There are people who are not wanting to be honest with themselves. They won't take responsibility. They always have an excuse for whatever the situation is. And like I said earlier, I can't help that person. And neither can God. Because they're not ready to, to say, hey, listen, this is me. This is the problem that I have. James 1.26 says, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, ouch, he deceives his own heart. This one's religion is useless. 
Corinthians 2, 8.21 says, Providing honorable things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. Do we live a life like that? Do people where you work know you're a Christian? Do they know how you feel about situations? Proverbs 10.99, He who walks with integrity walks securely. But he who perverts his ways will become known. You need me to explain that? Your sin will find you out. Your sin will find you out. You walk in your perverted ways, it's going to be known. Proverbs 12, 22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are His delight. You know, I've talked about myself a lot, and, and you know, I've asked Joe to help me from time to time to, you know, as a pastor, I'd say, well, I, um, I sometimes expound on things, and, uh, you know, I, I kind of make things, maybe turn them with a light that they, I look a little more favorable, you know, in the situation. Um, I have to be careful with that. Am I lying? You know, I remember one time we, we were talking about church in the park, and, and I said to somebody, and Joe was there with me, and I said, yeah, we must have had 150 people out there, and she's tugging on my shirt. And going, <laughs> she was about 80. I went, oh, excuse me, it was about 80. Let me correct that. And so I, I've come to the point where when I look at crowds, I always have to underestimate. Because, you know, us preacher types, we see a crowd, man, that's hundreds of people. You know, that's what we do. We embellish things. But we have to be careful that we're not lying. I've told you stories about my dad. You guys remember that story? I, I know some of you are new at visiting, you haven't heard this story, but... I'm going to tell you one where he really did spank me. Because my dad was a, a man of the rod. And my brother and I, we were probably about eight. And my brother was ten. They bought us BB guns. Uh -oh. Yeah, that's, a, that's what he should have said was, uh-oh. We lived in the country, you know. The first sparrow I killed broke my heart. Never killed another one. But, you know, kids and BB guns, it's just It's problematic. And there were these other the older kids, the high school kids, would come walking by our house in the country, and they would always pick on my brother and I. And one day I thought, I'm going to get them. I climbed up in the tree with my BB gun. And I was shooting at a rear back derriere. Okay? I missed it. I hit her in the leg, and it hurt. And her boyfriend came and he climbed that tree but couldn't reach me because I got all the way up the top where the little branches, you know, I was waiting around. He was going to put that gun where the sun didn't shine. I never did figure out what he was talking about, where he was going to put that gun, but I, 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 didn't, I didn't want to know. I thought I had gotten away with all that until I found out that he went to the house and told my dad. My dad gave me two spankings. One for shooting a gun at a person the second one was for, for lying. Because he first said, did you do it? And I said, no. I, well, no, I wouldn't. No, Dad, come on, shoot her. I, why would I shoot a girl? I must have been a bee. Did you shoot her? I said, all right, Dad, I was aiming for her. And I missed. 
And this is what happened. When he was spanking me for lying, and the second spanking really hurt, because the first one wasn't, was still kind of raw. And it really hurt. And this is what I thought. And it was Satan that get, put the thought in my head, and each one of us have been here. I thought, i got to get better at lying. Can we be honest? I, I thought, i got to get better at lying, man. i got to come up with facts and figures and details to where my story is rock solid. I'm not going to take another punishment like this. i got to get better at lying. And see, that's, what's, that's the trick of Satan. He'll put that thought into your head to learn how to cover up. We grow up this way, covering ourselves, trying to, you know, make ourselves look better than we really are to get ourselves out of trouble. Second point is be honest with others. Have you ever heard anyone say, well, to be honest with you, what, dude, you've been lying to me this whole time? What What do you mean to be honest with me? I've known you for years. Now you're going, oh, to be honest with you, what? If you use that phrase, I would suggest you quit and just be honest. You know, there are some things that I still, you know, I'm very careful of telling the truth. Sometimes my wife will say, does this make me look fat? <laughs> oh, that's, that's like, honey, you look wonderful. <laughs> I won't even dare ask her if I, because she'll just say, well, honey, you're fat anyway. So don't worry about it. What you look like? You know, it's like. James 5.16, this is interesting. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man, a righteous woman, avails much. Why do you have to say it like that? I mean, why couldn't I just say, why couldn't you say, confess your sins to God? I'd gladly uh, confess my sins to God in private. But that's not what he said to do. He said to confess your trespasses, your sin, with one another. Now, here's the first clarification of that verse I'm going to give you, is be careful of who you're telling. Okay? Go to your pastor. Go to an elder. Go to someone you trust that you want to bear. You You know what? You, you tell some people, and all of a sudden, read in the Union Democrat what you've done did. He told me in church. But it's important that we do confess to one another. I try to be completely open and honest with my elders. If I'm struggling, I will tell them I'm struggling. And and in confidence, they will pray for me and they will help me. And we have to be good at this. Because of humility and accountability, these are the the attributes that we have to build. We have to have humility. And we have to have accountability. And here's the best thing, you bring it out of the darkness and into the light. You have a problem in an area, bring it into the light. Bring it out. Put it in the light and you'll find that you'll find yourself healing in that. There's a book that was wrote by Dr. Henry Cloud. It's called Necessary Endings. And anybody that's in ministry, I highly recommend or, or looks for a future in ministry should read this book. In this book, he said that your job in leadership is to know people 
and what kind of people they are. He put them in three categories. Wise, foolish, and plain out evil. That's the kind of people that are out there. A wise man, you can always correct, and he will accept it. In fact, is he will thank you for the correction. I, I guarantee it. If I had a correction for Tony and I went to him, he would thank me. Because that's his heart. That's the kind of man that he is. And he would say, I never saw it. Thank you for showing me that. Thank you for bringing that into light. That's what a wise man does. But a foolish man, a foolish man, he won't accept anything. Proverbs 9, 8. Do not correct a scoffer, lest he hates you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Isn't that amazing? The Bible also talks about the evil person. He says, the Bible tells us that with an evil person, you warn them twice. You give them two warnings. To you guys that are employers, and you're not sure about the character, and you think this potentially could be an evil person, give them two warnings. After that, he's out. The Bible says very clearly, look at Titus 3.10. It says, reject a divisive. That would be an evil man. After his first and second admonition. After the second time, you reject him. The authorized King James Version in Titus 3, it says, A man that is a heretic, after the first and second admonition, reject him. Knowing that, that he is such a subverted and sinneth being condemned to himself. Did I read that wrong? Because I don't see it. I can't see my glasses. That's all right. I typed everything in 14. That one was in 10. Okay, I couldn't read it very well. So let's get to the... No, that's all right. I, it, the rest of it's big. See, see, the rest of it you could read from back there. Um, Psalms 32.5. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. So the third point is, be honest with God. Can you be honest with God? Guess what? He already knows who you are. He already knows what you're thinking. So why don't we get to the point where we can just plain out be honest with God? It, it kind of goes back to being honest with yourself. If you can't be honest with yourself, you're certainly not going to be honest with God. And it's so vital that we are. There's so much more to this commandment than we ever thought. So now let's go back to Psalms 32, 2 through 5. It says, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and whose spirit there is no deceit. And his spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones grew cold. This is David writing. Through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into drought of summer. I acknowledge my sin to you, God. And my iniquity I have, I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you will forgive the iniquity of my sin. 
We have to learn to be honest with ourselves and with God. It's vitally important. This last weekend, on Saturday, I was working with a crew, and I got one man um, who's doing, doing some work release time, and it was on a foolish uh, mistake that he had made quite some time ago. He's, he's working, he has his license, he has his wife and family, but he's, he's finally taking care of old business, and he got like 20 days work release, so he's there on every Saturday. And I heard him talking to some of the other guys. And he was talking about, I didn't even realize, I wouldn't have known it. I mean, he had tattoos on his neck, but hey, a lot of guys have tattoos. Okay, I mean, it's like I don't even see him anymore. But he's clean cut, he's hard working. He's kind of a big man, one I wouldn't mess with. And he was telling one of the other crew members is all his time in prison. And I said, you were in prison? So you don't act like a con. He goes, because I'm not a con anymore. And I said to him, what changed? I don't see Christian attributes coming out of him. I, I, I would love to invite him to church, and maybe he will come. And I said, but there's no question in my mind, something's different with you. How many years are you in prison? He said, well, between jail and prison, probably 15 years of my life. And he said, I've been in the hardest prisons in the state of California can give you. I've been in all of them. And I said, what changed? I was, I was seeking a testimony that God changed me, but he, he didn't go there. He said, I was on a fire crew, and we were going through a town on a bus headed to a fire. And he said, I seen a homeless man sitting in the corner of the street corner with a sign, please help me food. And he said, I saw that man, and I looked where I am in this bus, and he said, I realized I have, I have two paths, stay in prison the rest of my life or be like that man. With the direction that he's going, he had no direction in his life whatsoever. He was, he was running around with a bunch of thugs, and he would do thuggy things and wind up back in prison trying to impress everybody. And he, he finally realized he's not impressing anybody. And he said, I seen that hopeless man, and I seen me in him. I seen that that was my future. And he said, if that was my future, I'd stay in prison. I'd figure out I'd do something. And I'd just come back here and let the state feed me. And he said, but you know, something changed so drastic for me that I knew that that wasn't the life I wanted to live. I knew I had to do something different. When we went back to prison that after that fire that he fought, he broke ties with all his friends that were in prison. And he changed. And he got out and he got a job. Now he's working as a carpenter, a union carpenter, making $35 an hour. And guess what job he's working on? Our county jail. He's building our county jail. A guy that had been in prison all these years. And you would never know it by seeing him. What a testimony. He doesn't realize that God has been helping him and God is the one that lifted him out of the situation. And I can't wait to be the guy that tells him that you have got the spirit of the living God that's on your side. 
And T.Y., if I could get him to go with you to go talk to the kids down there, he walks in, they'd listen to him. Because he's big and he's tatted and he's like, you want prison kids? Let me tell you what it's really like. It's a pretty amazing opportunity that God has given me working with some of these men. So the moral of this story is don't lie. Be honest. Be honest with yourself and be honest with God. Tony, could I get you to come up and do something to close us out? We're a little bit late, but not bad. <laughs> Y'all going to be late getting to Perkos. So what I want to do, like I do every, every Sunday, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, let's bow your heads for a minute. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me in this? Holy Spirit, I pray that I'm not one of those who immediately said, this isn't for me. I'm an honest person. Because, Father, I believe that we, all of us are really trying to be honest people. But, Father, I want you to show us in the little ways that we can begin to change. That we can start calling sin, sin. walk away from that sin. Father, I know you're making a change in me, and I pray that you're making a change in your people. So as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, if you feel like that you would like to have prayer this morning, nobody's going to think that, oh, there's a person that's a big liar. Maybe you need prayer because you're sick. Maybe you need prayer because your kids are are not feeling well. Maybe you need prayer because you need a job. Who knows why you need prayer? But the Bible tells us to, when you have a prayer request, to bring it to the elders and allow them to pray. And that's what I'd like to do with this time. While we worship just a little bit more, if you have a prayer request, I'd like to invite you to come. Let you have it, Tony. situation even better than we know. Father, we ask that your will be done. And Father, you move upon the courts, you move upon the judges, the prosecutors, all those who are in charge, that the truth will be known and that this man will be set free. Father, I want to pray for 
for Flo's leg or hip, whatever it is, I see her limping. Father, I ask you to touch her. Touch her, Father. Heal her. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we've had to be here this morning. Bless your people today. Father, we're heading to our relative's house for Thanksgiving. I know many of us are traveling. Father, I pray traveling mercies upon all of our people. And that this will be a blessed holiday and that we remember those who aren't so lucky on this holiday. I pray that your people will decide to support this disaster relief fund. And I pray that while they're enjoying their families, that as they should, Father, that they remember just how blessed we are and to pray for those who are suffering this day. Bless your people today. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.